Welcome to Together We Rise, the podcast. I'm Maxine, your host, spiritual guide, healer, and intuitive. This is a place for deep interdimensional dives, unpacking our world systems, paradigms, and what it is that we each can be doing to start recreating them. Each episode, I'll be joined by changemakers from an array of backgrounds, ranging from holistic wellness to activism to human rights equality, medical freedom, spiritual teachers, conscious business, and everything in between. Because they all have one common intention, and that is to actualize humanity's potential to thrive. Today's guest is the incredible Sasha Stone, and I know for many of you, he will not need an introduction. But for those of you not familiar with his work, I wanted to take a couple of minutes to do him justice and take you through his rap sheet. And it will also give you a really good understanding as to why he is someone that can comment on the unfoldings of 2020 in the way that he does. In 1999, Sasha established Humanitide and has worked across both the NGO and IGO sectors as an outspoken advocate of human rights and natural justice. He has instigated peace initiatives and education programs, lobbied against human rights abuses in different parts of the globe, and continues to prosecute for the protection of breakthrough innovators, scientists, and doctors. Sasha founded the New Earth Project, promulgating blueprints for sustainable, sovereign, and self-determining communities, headquartered out of the world-renowned Akasha, which is the New Earth Haven in Bali. He's also the founder of the ITNJ, International Tribunal for Natural Justice, which launched under the multilateral observership in June 2015 via a ceremonial seating and ratification ceremony at Westminster Central Hall in London on the 800th anniversary of the signing of the Magna Carta. This new planetary court is committed to the dispensation of natural justice. Sasha is also the founder of the World Health Sovereignty Summit, which many of the world's leading advocates in the sector, including Robert Kennedy Jr., Del Bigtree, Professor Dolores Carhill, Dr. Christiane Northrup, Dr. Rashid Batar, Andrew Wakefield, and many, many more took part in. Sasha is an activist, a public speaker, a publisher, a writer, filmmaker, and all-round changemaker. I cannot wait for you to receive the wisdom that he is no doubt going to impart on us. So without further ado, let's welcome him on. Welcome, Sasha. Uh, I just said to you earlier, you don't need an introduction. I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today. And I really just wanted to pick your brain a little bit around, you know, the happenings of 2020. It's something that you've been very vocal about. And obviously, you've been doing this work for decades. It's not your first rodeo, so to speak. And I would love to just start there in terms of, you know, how did we get to this point because this is what I'm seeing here in Australia for a lot of people they're waking up to the stuff that's been going on for so long and now it's in their faces they can't avoid it well to give you a good metaphysical answer the this how did we get to this the this is the that Uh, the that is the this meaning to say that we planted the seeds uh, to this a very long time ago. I, I always used inverted commas for, for time because time is the greatest myth. It's the thing that doesn't exist. And yet it's the creature that programs death into the field, the idea of time. And that's uh, something which I, I love talking about. But uh, the, the that is the this. We planted the seeds 
uh, of the geometry of now, um, generationally, historically. And it's all been part of the journey of discovery through the trial of separation. Uh, that's, I think, the most um, generic way of describing your journey and my journey, mm -hmm. which is the trial of separation and the, the regenesis and the recommunion and coming back to source and finding our way back home and uh, on that um, that odyssey, that great um, noble journey, hopefully a noble journey, um, we bring with, with us ourselves all of the experiences and the relationships incarnationally, um, which to those of us who attune ourselves to high frequency sets and just keep standing in that flame, um, I think that what we, we do, the, the, the function, is to bring lower realms of expression with us on that journey toward emancipation, toward so-called enlightenment. And so I, I don't think that it's a hero's journey that is a lost purpose. I don't think that any part of it was meaningless. I think that that's the point. Every single um, step on that journey has resonance, has meaning, has purpose, has relevancy. Now, whether you find relevancy in your own hero's journey or your own noble path. That's another matter altogether. And I think that the syndrome that most afflicts most people most of the time, uh, sadly, is the fact that they do not find relevancy in their lives because they are projecting and looking externally at appearances and they are not they're seeing that they're living in some shitty tenement block or whatever. You know, maybe they had higher higher ob objectives uh, when they were younger in life. Whatever, however it plays out, mm -hmm. that we make the mistake of looking around us and thinking, well, you know, I'm. This is a curse. This is an affliction. This this is an abomination. This is not what I'm, and and that's a mistake because that brings about acrimony. It brings about bitterness. It brings about regret, and all of those things are false light. And we make the mistake of identifying with bitterness and regret. Um, so the this is connected to the that. And as long as we can make peace with the fact that we seeded every aspect of the this, of the now, um, every aspect of it is perfectly congruent. The architecture, the engineering, the mechanics is always perfectly situated in the now. And to own the now is to absolve it, is to be able to transmute it and then transcend it. And that's the beauty of the living flame. It always offers pure and perfect redemption, salvation, and absolution. Mm. And, you know, the thing that was just coming through the most strongly as you were saying that is that self-governing, that, you know, coming back to self and that reclamation of self, that within everything that's happening externally, that's really the call for so many of us right now, instead of it being this thing where we have to be reliant on external systems like we have been to be in control of our lives, that that's the way that we lead our lives. It's leading us back to that place of self. But then within that, it's the collective gets shifted through the self, which is just what I was kind of receiving back, just listening to you then. And I guess with everything that's playing out in terms of the, the wider constructs, the systems, the structures, because obviously 
we live in a multi or interdimensional world. And this is what I love about your work is that you have such a deep understanding of all aspects of that and how it plays out in the physical and in the current paradigm of things as we shift and evolve individually. How is that or how is the power of us doing the work within ourselves and continuing to come back to that place of centre and, as you say, standing in the flame, influencing what's happening in the external right now? Well, I can't uh, speak uh, to anyone else's um, journey, but I can speak to my own. And there might be some congruence in, in, in speaking about my own journey uh, for others. Um, I, I, my box of tricks um, or navigation set includes a couple of things. One is irreverence. And I've spoken about this a, a few times lately, but to be foundationally irreverent, I think is a very good thing because um, of the falsity of the uh, dominion and supremacy of cult programming through the religions and the churches over the last uh, certainly couple of thousand years. Actually, no, bugger that, going back 5,000 years since Sumerian times. So we've, we've got at least five, 6,000 years of cult programming. Um, and I think that a healthy um, quality uh, to incubate nowadays, curiously enough, is irreverence, to not be reverential toward the things that we've been programmed to revere, but to be truly reverential to the things that we haven't, which is the absence of usury and profiteering, um, kindness, sweetness, tenderness, gentleness, um, timorousness, things like that. I mean, to just really cultivate the flame of our humanity in its most fragile um, aspect. That to me is, is the absence of, it's where re we should be reverential toward that. But we should not be reverential toward icons and idols and ideas and notions and intellectual constructs and uh, doctrines and gospels and, um, um, you know, all of that stuff, which is connected to the cult uh, programming. So I'd suggest that uh, in my box of tricks, learning the art of irreverence is very important. The second um, thing that I would speak to in answer to your question is connected to uh, embracing one's... Uh, multidimensionality um, and being to reject any and all limitations and enclosures, all limitations and enclosures, reject all boundaries, especially the healthy boundaries, mm -hmm. reject them, absolutely. That's become part of the new age cult program is talking in terms of healthy boundaries. And of course, one understands what people are talking about but it's still reductive and infantile and stupid. You're either gonna be stepping out of the linear dualistic format into the quantum or you are not. Now, if you want to step into the Christed or Christic principle, the, the, the imminent template of who you are, who you be, then you are required absolutely to eviscerate, to dissolve all boundaries, all enclosures, all limitations, and simply fall back into the knowing. Again, in the geometry of now, which is always perfect and which is always the quanta that is inviting your regenesis, that is inviting you to fall back with your eyes shut and be caught by self, capital S. <laughs> so that's, that for me is that the two pieces I would say in my box of tricks that helped to answer that question in a qualified way. 
the art of irreverence, and secondly, a capacity to embrace one's own absolute limitlessness. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I think maybe that just needs to be just re-emphasized. We are limitless. We are not these bodies. We are not these constructs that we've created. We are so much more than that. And that is a challenge for a lot of people, which I'm seeing personally, especially here because I'm in Australia. I watch the duality play out in the very physical. I watch what you call people under their dream spell and that separation that happens the minute someone crosses their path that may not be willing to just, you know, bow down and be quiet and walk with them because they are not scared or they are not in fear. They are in their power and understanding of their sovereignty, understanding of who they really are. And then you've got the people that are kind of in between that understand all of this, but are not brave enough to actually embody it. And Which, I need to stop you, which is to say that they haven't understood it. So I, I, I've got to argue with you there because you're, you're very kindly using fuzzy logic. And I think this again is the point. We really need to be absolute in this. Mm. If you understand the principle, the Christic principle, then you know that service to others over service to self is the divine imperative. And you also understand that service to others becomes the highest service to self when done absolutely. So there is no, there is no um, ambiguity in this. And mm -hmm. people who have not stepped into their power have by distinction not understood that principle. You can't get close to enlightenment or emancipation. You're either emancipated or you're not, mm -hmm. respectfully. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to be able to psychologically or intellectually um, appreciate what it may be to be enlightened. Well, we've been doing that for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. We've been idolizing messianic figures for thousands of years. We've been reading great noble books by great, you know, um, great uh, teachers and mentors and gurus for generations. But that doesn't mean that we become enlightened or emancipated in so doing. Invariably, we have not. Invariably, we've gone to our graves, uh, having read the Bhagavad Gita, but not understanding the fucking thing. You know, so this is the problem is it we need to now step into the absolute aspect of that's why i call it pure truth maxi mm. i don't refer to truth but pure truth mm. because i have i have truly learned the distinction in my own life between sasha stone's truth which i have as little regard for as your truth just so you know um and pure truth in and of itself which is the universal flame that is always inviting me back into coherence me and my little truth is being constantly shaped and then invited to fall back in to that universal flame of pure truth which can sometimes be quite harsh mm -hmm. and doesn't serve my appetites on a given day and doesn't serve my comfort zone on a given day but that's not the point is it no. the point is to be to be unified reconvened with the spirit the principle of atman which is the perennial witness always to be able to fall into that default of the eminent template, which is the, the periscope or the eye of, of, of Horus, is the eye of God. It's the, it's the not, not in the pyramidal um, Illuminati sense, but in the sense that an actualized human being becomes the eye of God in the temporal plane, mm -hmm. and that you become the lens through which 
divinity issues and is received and witnessed. It's all part of a, a beautiful uh, feedback. Mm, it's that dance. That's just how I pictured it when you were speaking. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because I know that there are going to be people that are listening into this that are in Victoria and they are in Melbourne. With everything that's happening, um, you know, I'm really curious as to your insights on the new world order as to how it pertains to us here and why Melbourne, why Victoria? Okay. Um, I have a little bit of a hard time uh, understanding or look uh, trying to understand why Melbourne and not Sydney. Um, Sydney is a hotbed of Satanism, uh, is the satanic stronghold of Australia in, in the commonly uh, understood or accepted parlance. Um, to my mind, it's Sydney that is the epicenter of the, or the acme of wickedness and um, Babylonian witchery. Mm. And I can't understand, maybe Melbourne is, is uh, because maybe that is that the satanic Illuminati, Luciferic elements in Australia are still protecting their own stronghold and remotely steering the auto-destructive Melbourne and other cities in order to conduct the litmus there and then collapse the whole country into the New World Order regime. That would make sense. That would make sense. Um, but I do know that these things happen for two reasons, meaning to say why people in Australia, why people in Melbourne, uh, for two reasons, essentially. One, because you are strong enough and noble enough to be able to bear the brunt of the flame on behalf of humanity at the beginning of this huge standoff with the um, Sabbatean totalitarianism. Mm. So that's the good bit, that you are clearly strong enough and noble enough in spirit. I'm talking about at the, at the level of the fabric of spirit, you've been forged as a people, your genetic disposition, your the, the linguistic wave genetic that issues out of the people of Australia as a people um, is, is strong, robust, and is able to withstand um, some serious kicking. That's my guess. The other part is that at the karmic level, you thoroughly deserve what's coming down the pike. But I would say that about myself as well and about anyone in any given situation. No distinction. But you asked the question, why Melbourne? Well, I would ask, why Afghanistan? Mm. I would ask, why South Sudan? I would ask, why Yemen? I would ask, why um, Burkina Faso? I would ask, why Central African Republic? I would ask, why Papua? I would ask, why Tonga? I would ask many, many questions um, of black skin, brown skin, brothers, uh, uh, red skin and yellow skin, brothers and sisters who have suffered uh, at white man's poison. And Australia, to a great extent, um, personifies um, the worst of the white man's poison in as much as Australia has arrived, uh, taken over arguably the most beautiful continent on earth in terms of just being just this amazing place. I mean, I prefer Africa myself, but Australia is a remarkable place. <laughs> And, but then I'm white, I'm white African, so I would say that. It is an amazing <laughs> continent, and there's a very small population, and you people are so blessed to mm. live there and to be born there. 
you know, so there's a tremendous, has been a tremendous blessing in being um, Antipodean and born in that part of the world. But in a sense, um, obviously, one needs to look at the karmic consequence of empire. And I will wager that in the Akashic record, uh, you would discover that most, if not all, Australians born today were inhabiting the sole family of the pioneers, of the white supremacist pioneers of Australia, in much the same way that the Native American Indians who are sitting in reservations um, in North America, many of them absolutely destitute, dissolute, drunk, and addicted to gambling and crack and God knows what else. I'm making a huge crushing statement here, but follow my logic. There is a lot of desecration of the fabric of soul amongst the Native American Indians. Um, and a lot of pathos is carried into this generation of Native American Indians. And that is because they are the souls of the white men who perpetrated the original crimes against them. And the white folks are required to live out the end of days before the regenesis occurs. And similarly, that's happening in Australia between the First Nation peoples, the Aboriginals and, mm. and, uh, and the rest of the population. So it's always an interesting thing to look at um, the, the geometry of the soul and, and obviously taking into account the consequence of karmic mm. uh, consequences. Mm. Yeah, and it's so multifaceted which is why I wanted to ask you that question because there's so much fixation on just the physical again constructs of is the government it's the people that are in positions of power and it's like yes those things are a part of it but it's not the only thing that's driving what's playing out no well that's the least of it I mean that we we like to believe that what we're what we're experiencing at the hands of tyrannical and despotic governments um, is them and us. But as I've been saying for months since the genesis of this pantomime, um, the them is, is in direct proportion to the degree to which we have surrendered our consciousness. And so the, the, the them coming back at us is our guru, our teacher saying, hey, I'm Dan, whatever my name is, that twat who runs your country, your, your, your Scott and Dan, these, these yeah, criminals. Dan Andrews, the premier and oh, prime minister. Right. <laughs> yeah, these, these creatures, these creatures. These archetypes, mm. these archetypes that for me personify the most perverse, sadistic aspect of the unrealized patriarch. These are not men, be clear. These are not men, okay? There is nothing about them that is realized as a man. They have skid marks in their underwear at the psychic level, at the soul level, and at the physical level. These are not realized human beings. But they are the temporal agents of the lower astral realms, the demonic aspect of the meta, uh, uh, I would refer to as, as the Yaldabaoth complex. This is the satanic construct. And it requires foot soldiers, mandarins, smooth-handed technocrats who have little to no conscience and no pulse and no red vein, no red blood in their veins. They become the creature that are vicariously the utility of this demonic predisposition, this force. And that's the way it plays out. But you see, 
to get back to your question, Maxime, when I'm apprehending that creature in front of me, I must acknowledge, accede, and accept that it is unresolved aspects of myself that yet prevail, that give permission for that archetype to manifest on my radar screen and to interpose its will over my will with a vaccination or a taser or a machine gun or a machete, whatever it is, however it plays out. And I've had those situations, in, just so you know, on multiple occasions in living in some strange parts of the world and doing fairly dangerous shit for the last couple of decades. So I've been faced with those horrible situations. Um, and I've had to ask myself in that moment of absolute lucidity, instead of throwing my arms up like a schoolgirl and going, oh God, what have I done to deserve being hijacked in the North African desert with somebody with a machine gun? Rather than, than going to a fear reflexivity, what I've done in situations like that, and I've had maybe five, four or five, five situations, life, life and death. And what I've done is um, acknowledged and then even cultivated this flaming that happens in that situation. And I'm talking about this because people sitting in their apartments in Australia who are under the dictate and the tyranny of these criminal sociopaths and these morons in costume masquerading as police, okay? Absolute godless, gutless, gormless morons. But those creatures wallowing around in crimpling costumes with uh, tasers and guns and batons, that again is a, a unique archetype mm. that you permission to manifest on the radar screen of life, given the absence of a certain resolution within the fabric of your own experience, your own soul, your own journey, because we are all the archetypes. Mm -hmm. I am the Madonna. I am the, the, the Messiah. I am the Diablo. I am the, the, the great usurer and the profiteer. I am the Shylock and the Sherlock and the, all of these archetypes. Okay. We are those because that's part of the universal uh, state of the human genetic. We are just this incredible multifarious uh, multidimensional uh, creature. But where our spirit, our will defines that journey within that miasm of expression, that becomes the hero's journey. That becomes the noble journey is the choices you make. And that's where free will operates within something that's otherwise regarded as predestined or destiny, fate. Yes, they do coexist, but you have to be very, very humble to be able to understand the distinction between free will and fate. It's not something you can read on a paper napkin and understand, trust me. <laughs> but the thing is with these people who are facing the tyranny of, of government and the tyranny of the state, the moment you really, really own the now, own your story, your story, forget the national story and the cultural story and the story of other people in Melbourne, just you and your story. Use this compression of evil and, and false light and, and scariness. Let that just be the compression to realize the diamond within your soul. The diamond within your soul can, must, and will emerge if you own the now, if you are able to look in the mirror in the present moment and go, I am not a victim. I'm again, repeating myself. Uh, I apologize to people who are sick of hearing me say this, but to me, it's the most single, most important action we can take in our lives. Each of us, because I know, because I've done it, is to own that you are not a victim and to really release yourself from that imprisonment, that self-imposed imprisonment. 
from your supernature is to believe that you're a victim ever, not for one instant, not even when you've just been hit by a bus, not when an asteroid comes through your ceiling and hits you in the bed. No, not when you're the one person on the trek that gets bitten by the, the wasp. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. You always need to own absolute that you're not a victim and that every single aspect of the geometry in your life is the greatest gift to you in the now to invite you back into total coherence with the supernature or with the celestial blueprint, however you want to, to uh, couch this to yourself. So you see, what I'm trying to do, Maxine, is answer your question by offering a tremendous um, repertoire here, not of hope, but of limitlessness at how you engage and deal with what would otherwise be hopelessness and despair. Mm -hmm. Treat the day today, what you're, what you're experiencing and witnessing in your home. Treat it as the al alchemist laboratory. Truly, wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and treat your day as pure alchemy at the soul level. Dear God, you will perform miracles. And the point is this, you will also manifest the outcome so you have control over these twats in costume, wielding tasers and guns, if they are part of that, that, that malevolent um, uh, subspecies of police who don't understand how to stick to their oath. They're the very worst amongst humanity. Mm -hmm. They are sadomasochists, they are perverts, they are disgusting. I have no time for them, none, none. I've got a lot of time for good police and I know very good police and I, uh, I'm deeply thankful to good police. We wouldn't have been able to succeed in any of the uh, judicial commissions and the uh, inquiries that we've done were it not for really good police. They were the ones who really had the balls to come forward and still do with the real testaments and with the real information and with the real indicators on, on bringing about remedy. So don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-police at all. I'm, I, believe, I believe in a world where we don't need to police each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, in, in, in my lifetime, I will ensure, uh, and I say this because I'm the master and commander of this hologram, I will ensure that there is no need for police uh, by the end of my lifetime in this world. This is my dominion. I insist on it in the same way that I insist that there will be no government uh, by the end of my uh, soul migration to this plane of existence. That's a, a pledge I've made to self. And I have every intention of fulfilling that because government is a luciferic, a satanic construct, all about supremacy, manipulation, control, and deception. And we need to now move beyond that self-imposed uh, deception. Police, same thing, self-imposed false notions about defense and protection, bullshit. We all know that the more you police, the more crime that happens. I mean, this is part of old cycles. So whatever's happening in the life of, of, of people, asking that question, why me? Or how do I deal with what's happening in Melbourne? If you really own the moment, own the day, own the now, and seize it fully, fully, and treat your life as your alchemist laboratory, do not believe for one moment that you are powerless in this situation because you don't have enough money or you don't have enough of an education or you don't have enough influence, or you don't have enough followers on Facebook. All of this is false identification, all of it. The alchemist laboratory is the hermit's cave. 
It is a place that only you inhabit and you are the master and commander. You have absolute supremacy and dominion over that laboratory, that hermetic cave. Now get to work in that space. Befriend self. And by extension, your family and your friends and all those that you touch and that you influence, that becomes real tribe, not this faux new age tribe that we're constantly trying to find in life and being disappointed along the way. But I'm talking about the real, the real shit. Yeah. And it's all there. And each one of us can rise to that Atman, to that divinity, and have such an incredible, palpable um, effect in this world. There is a, an old truth that is known to any true shaman, and that is that every single soul on earth is supreme and matters, matters absolutely. It's the premise of all true mystical tradition that every single expression of soul is as important as the next. This is absolute in universal law. I know the truth of that, but do you? And does Timothy and does Divinia? You know, that, that's the question. Mm -hmm. You Only you can, can, can seize that fire and own that space and then become the, the arbiter and then the manifesto of the outcome. Sorry, I've rambled on a bit. There. No, this is, this, someone needed to hear that because you said the words, you matter. <laughs> And this is, this is it. No one is less than or more than than anyone else. And that is something that we've been doing for eons as well. We are yeah. all made of the same stuff and we are all that magnificent spark of light that you speak to. And we need to come back to that remembering. And it's when we get forced in and people still want to, they still don't want to go there. This is the invitation go inside that is where we get to recreate from because when we land back into that true place of power and center it ripples out into the greater whole too because that is where we create the true change it's not just through our physicality it's through energy first and then everything else gets to meet the frequency of that but first we've got to raise ourselves up and understand that so when you said you matter. I just want to reinforce that for people because you do. No, that's lovely. And underscore that even further, if you will. The greatest way of, of stepping outside of stage four cancer for anyone who has stage three or four cancer or two, for that matter, or stage one. Uh, the greatest way of stepping out of a cancer is to begin doing something like ceramics. So I'm serious. Just go and just go and create. Go and make shit. Make stuff with your hands. Mm -hmm. Go and learn how to make things. Go and learn how to tend the garden, get into the mud. Yes, you're sick. Now go and get unsick. Get into your on your knees. Go in and weed the garden and 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 connect to the uh, to the living soil and start to plant and start to care and start to craft with color and texture and form and and conjure beauty into this world in any which way, any way you can do it in, in your small way. It's a huge uh, benefaction. You must, you must step outside of constriction and fear and entropy and disease, decay and death. And you must learn to fashion things and make things and create things. Take up origami if you're stuck in a hospital bed. Trust me, get a book on origami or go online, get some paper from the nurse. You'll walk out of cancer. If you place yourself fully into creativity, into art, and then begin to rediscover just the simple joy of 
And this is the Christic message as well of seeing the world through the eyes of a child, how incredibly mm. true and powerful that is. If you can do that, doesn't matter if you're 68 years old or 74, 82, it doesn't matter what your age is. You think you've got some fatal illness and it's over. What, what are you going to do? How are you going to walk out of this? It's taken you 60 years of chain smoking and fucking up your system to get poisoned to this degree. You think it's over. No, it's not over. Understand this. This is written into universal law. You are the regenesis and you have that capacitance. Only you actually have that capacitance to reignite that spark. It's your dominion. You own it. So long as you are in this temporal veil, so long as you are incarnated into 3D form and flesh, you are the master and commander, but you need to know it to activate that power. And the way of getting out of cult programming that you've been used to since the day you were born is to express yourself with creativity and with affirmation and to be absolutely non-negotiating in your aspect here. Just begin to rediscover the world through the eyes of a child and start to apply art uh, and not money and time and fear. And uh, I, I really recommend that, that to people now more than ever before because there's also light coding influxing the world right now. And that's a purely astrophysics and astronomical phenomenon. But that vibral or ultraviolet UV light coding that some would speak to as the gentian flame or the violet flaming and the Saint-Germain principle, all of which is variously true, some of which has been hijacked as well by the satanic and Illuminati um, nomenclature. But the, the influx of ultraviolet and vibral light into our quadrant of the solar system and the universe right now and the galactic plane right now is real and that is actually creating a capacity or a propensity to self-heal now a hundred times more efficaciously than you could do five years ago 50 years ago 500 years ago so take that gift this is the true ascension this is the grace of god uh, as it manifests in the astrophysical astronomical plane of existence but you need to know it again to activate it and to embrace it and to make use of it. Mm. And there really is that level of healing happening at the moment too, for those of us that are those that are brave enough to actually embrace it and do the things that you've been suggesting, because there are a lot of people that are just doing those things without necessarily having the conscious awareness as to why they're being called there. It's just, it, you know, they're wanting to do something with their time, but really indirectly, it is healing. It is lifting. Yeah. It is taking yeah. you to new places. There was, um, I've just, I just wrote a couple of notes before we jumped up because I wanted to make sure that we covered everything. Um, but again, I just kind of wanted to, because I love hearing all of this from you, but I know that there are a few people that want to hear some of the other things that you've been saying that you've got to say. So just going to shift gears again a little bit around the moment and what your views are on that and where that's going. Well, it, it's it's a death rattle. Uh, we're seeing the end of um, the global um, pharmaceutical dominion. It has served for a hundred years as part of an end game of a Jesuitical plan to systemically poison and downgrade um, the human family and prepare us for a wholesale takeover um, by demonic forces 
Um, I'm not couching my language here, so I'll just use blunt language, um, which is why we have been subjected to, um, in the last hundred years, Spanish flu was an engineered uh, virus, uh, all the way through to the SARS and the H1N1, uh, the bovine avian um, flu, swine flu, um, HIV, AIDS, um, all of these afflictions, plagues, um, have variously been engineered. Um, if anyone chooses not to believe that, then that's a matter for your own stupidity. But if you actually want to learn the facts, then go and study the Jesuit oath and do it today. Go online, study the Jesuit oath from start to finish. Understand that every Pope Cardinal takes that oath, okay? That that's the underpinning. That is the foundation stone, the central tenet underpinning the satanic aspect of the Christian church, which is the whore of Babylon, okay? So if you want to understand how and why war and disease and poverty have become the three pillars of our civilizational model, now you will understand it once you read the Jesuit oath. That's the basis also of the round tables, the secret societies, the subversion of Freemasonry, um, the satanic uh, cultism, um, and all the rest of it. So familiarize yourself with all of that, because that helps you to contextualize how it is that we've arrived at where we've arrived. But the pharmaceutical industry, the poisoning, systemic poisoning of uh, humanity and of the planet through the agrochemical industries. So you've got essentially the two horns of the devil here are global global pharmaceuticals uh, and agrochemicals. So pharmaceuticals, uh, agrochemicals, the one poisons humans, the other one poisons the soil and the air and the water. And that all comes back and wages relentless war against the human gene expression. That's the point. This is how the proverbial serpent or the apocryphal serpent steals into our reality matrix. And bit by bit, it erodes and, and defiles our integrity at the physical, psychological, emotional level. So we are attacked through drugging and being drugged with these chemical toxins and poisons and the fluoride in the water and the electromagnetic frequencies in the air and the depleted uranium frequencies in the atmosphere, 10 kilometers above us, um, creating this fallen light of Atlantis, this constant soup of toxicity, which has a direct palpable effect on every single um, cell molecule in our bodies and affects the spin of the atoms in the matrices underpinning the cells of our bodies. The capacity to re receive light itself into the, the cells is affected. So everything is cauterized, everything is mutated, everything is downgraded at every single level from the, as I said, from the atmospheric level all the way down to the microbes in the soil. When you understand that that mutation happens because of mutated or mutant frequencies that are constantly disrupting the natural geometry of the at atomic matrices, then you begin to understand that that's where these chemical poisons come in. Every, every isotope has its own frequency. Every chemical compound has its own frequency. Every thought has its own frequency. And when you are, when you are dream spelled or mind fucked by a, a system, by a complex, then you put out mutant frequency sets in your thoughts, your notions. You have dark frequencies issuing out of you. And that helps to contaminate 
the environment even further. So we are capacitors for frequency and for light and for resonance. And we are constantly in a, in a battle within ourselves, okay, billions of us. And those of us who are able to sustain the vibral light within the signature of our own genetic expression, great. We're able to then influence and affect the field in a positive way and to help raise that frequency set up. But if you choose to simply cloister yourself in a dark room and masturbate or drink gin and, and tonic or, or, or chain smoke marijuana, whatever your addiction is, be careful step back from that because it's your it's your addiction to appetite that brings you into base frequency sets i'm not saying it's bad to masturbate and i'm not saying it's bad to drink alcohol or to smoke cigarettes and to enjoy them at this kind of surfing level one should get 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 through the day how you need to do it baby that's that's my take but the point is don't ever become don't ever become uh, the 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 uh, or the utility of the demonic spirit that does drive these base frequency sets. So we are subjected to systemic poisoning, mind, body, and soul. And the reason why I brought up sex, drugs, and rock and roll there as part of the, the, the ideation is because that's also connected to our cult programming. And so the way in which that we were all born and, and started looking at flickering television screens and watching, you know, these, these, these programs which have emerged now into very sophisticated Netflix type, deeply immersive, deep psychodrama type um, series, which are quite demonic in the way that they've been engineered. Trust me, nine out of 10 of them are absolutely Luciferian. They've been, they're part of cult programming, very clever, very, very clever. But that's what they do. They're creating memes. They are legitimizing the diabolical and the demonic and normalizing it. And they are um, ridiculing and marginalizing the noble and the goodly and the righteous and the judicious in us and our families and our communities and our society. We're permissioning it by our popcorn and our addiction to watching screens rather than to actualize our capacity to bear witness in this incredible drama, psychodrama of life, you know, <laughs> and to immerse fully in the greatest adventure of all, mm. which is who the fuck am I? Where am I going? And how did I get here? You know, and all of that. So this, this is the thing. Look, to, to go back to, to the Rockefeller uh, Foundation, the Rockefeller legacy was uh, as a connect extension of the of the, the Rothschilds and the Pazers and the Dragoons and the Kazarian Mafia and these uh, satanic uh, bloodlines. You know, all of that was about poisoning humanity through the franchise of a quadrillion dollar global pharmaceutical enterprise, which evolved off the back of the British East India Company, essentially the old uh, um, spice trade um, and opium trade, you know, of old, of a couple of hundred years ago. That was all about even opium, franchising opium to the streets of Europe back in the day was about, was about beginning that by stealth, that uh, creating addiction. And being able to then control people through their addiction. And that then went on to, you know, prohibition, alcohol in the turn of last century in the 20s and the 30s. And, and all of the games that were being played there under the aegis of, of prohibition. But essentially, um, in a way, 
culturally and socially engineering hundreds of millions of people around the world into alcoholism and into chemical dependency in that way, from the Native American Indians to the Aboriginals to people in, you know, uh, of, of Middle America and Middle Europe. We know that alcohol is a huge problem around the world. We know that uh, hundreds of millions of people are sick and die because of alcohol. It's uh, many thousands and thousands of percent more serious than pneumonia or influenza. Um, which is what our governments are trying to scare us into now. But poisoning humanity has, is, is endemic and systemic, and it's been part of a grand agenda as part of a an orchestra, an orchestration of the sacrifice of innocence. Now, try and follow me here. And I know I've been taking you down different paths here, but I'm going to try and bring it back here. The orchestration of a mass event horizon now under the aegis of Corona COVID and of a, va a mass vaccination program, which will bring about a mass culling of humanity. That is us surrendering ourselves up for sacrifice, offering ourselves up to Caesar because we're afraid and unconscious. And so we're offering ourselves up and rolling up our sleeves for the vaccine and paying our taxes in order to be vaccinated by that creature and agreeing to the bullshit propaganda coming off the screens and out of these insidious um, uh, portals of power. So all of that is a conspiracy to get us to surrender our conscience and our consciousness, thereby giving permission to that proverbial serpent in the garden to come in to our midst and take us and devour us. So again, that's how the serpent does what it does. It gets our permission. It invites us constantly, like Hiss the snake in the jungle book. That's always inviting us into surrendering our conscience just a little bit more, offering us that little Faustian deal, just just one, you know, one 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 silver coin across the palm, or just get your foot in the door, Sonny. You know, just just take one for the team. Whatever, what, however you want to couch that language. That's the stuff that um, that subjugates us into abnegating and surrendering our soul. And at that point, we are fair game, fair game, takeover, for takedown. And that's what's going on. So the setup of humanity for a mass vibral light or uh, 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 prana, life force, mm. that we have willfully surrendered into the field that can then be harnessed and become the utility of this off-world Sabbatean draconian intelligence, which intends to try to resurrect its own galactic cycle and continue to live through this plane of existence for another galactic cycle. Well, that's not going to happen because the timelines have already bifurcated mm -hmm. and there is no possibility of that any longer. So that's the great news. The, the bad news is that we're still living through the very end of the shadow of time and the, the thrall, the myth of power and time and the draconian dream spell, which is government, which is the Vatican, which is money and the thrall of money and scarcity economics. And all of those stories are entangled in this, mm -hmm. in, the, in the thing that we're terrified of, the thing that says I'm supreme and you are a mere mortal, but you must kneel before Cronus, before the Titan, before the, before the King, before the lords of time. Mm. Well, that's a choice, again, to kneel before the lords of time, psychologically, spiritually, I'm talking about, and to, to, to accede or acknowledge that, yes, the lords of time are ultimately the ones that prevail. Well, they're not. 
They will if you permission them to, but they won't otherwise. Now, I don't choose death, and I don't choose disease, and I don't choose entropy, and I don't choose decay. I choose the other. I choose the immanent. I choose the ineffable. I choose the limitless. I choose the immortal. I choose the abundant <laughs> and, 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 and all of that. So again, this is where absolutism really helps in clarifying our own soul's trajectory. How, how do you wish to steer this plane of existence? Not just your body, not just your story. How do you choose to steer the entire planet, the solar system into a higher expression, a higher outcome? That's the true orgasm that we are all seeking when we're feverishly fucking one another or masturbating or getting off on this, the, the perversions of petty tyranny when we are being cruel to other people and getting a small adrenal rush in so doing. That's the stuff that creates bureaucrats and technocrats, bad ones, and most of them are bad. By definition, you have to be a bad a career bureaucrat if you're a pen pusher and simply pushing through statutes ordinances provisions and codes that fuck other people's lives up and penalize them that's not godly so it's down to choice it's always down to you in the now and to what great extent do you choose to to bear that crown and to take that seat on that throne in the now mm. that's beautiful i feel like that just sums everything up. You have the choice. What do you choose now? What do you choose moving forward? You get to decide. We all get to decide what we contribute moving on from here. Even in this moment, you get to decide to take in and absorb and receive everything that's been offered here. Um, and, you know, that is, again, where the power for all of us lies, knowing that. I just feel like you pretty much summed everything up beautifully. There was one last thing that I wanted to uh, touch on because your work with the New Earth Project and the line in the sand that you did over the weekend, that was incredible. Everyone listening, if you haven't checked that out, I would really encourage you to do that because, and this is maybe something, yeah, the last final thing that I kind of want you to speak to is just the incredible amount of people rallying together. There were so many individual movements that were really having the same intent in terms of wanting to see humanity be free and thriving. And they were all kind of moving in their own circles. But now it's like this bridge is happening. And that's what I saw when I watched that on the weekend. I was like, this is incredible because the power is in numbers and knowing that there are tribes and communities and people that we can rely on and build those bridges together. What is it that you guys are doing moving beyond this? Because I imagine that this isn't done. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get louder. This is the beginning of a journey. And um, I launched the World Health Sovereignty Summit last year here in Bali. Um, and then this year we took it virtual online. And that's um, which we technically we launched that midsummer um, in June this year. And then that's morphed into this line in the sand um, event that I what I wanted to do was to really take the body of work that was done through the World Health Sovereignty Summit and to some extent from the International Tribunal's uh, Judicial Commission of Inquiry into weaponization of the biosphere that we launched again last year and is an ongoing inquiry. So many of the um, 
people, the leading international icons who participated in our event a few days ago. Um, as you saw the historic speech given by uh, Robert uh, Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Um, the other day it was the half an hour speech. He closed the um, our summit with that. And um, frankly, that that the reverberations of that speech, I think are gonna be heard for years to come. I think he was more down to the wire in that speech than he was even in Berlin, um, giving that incredible landmark speech a few weeks ago. But yeah, Kennedy closed it when uh, Adele Bigtree and Mickey Willis and Michael Tellinger and Rashid Buttar and Sherry Tenpenny and Professor Cahill and all of these incredible icons um, uh, of our day, Cordy Williams, I, 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 I don't want to do them to service. There's so many, like 30 or 40 uh, leading figures we had. Um, that was really about defibrillating the, the heart, the planetary heart and getting that pulse to really shock itself into a, a spark of remembrance and regenesis because we've all been subjected to so much, um, so much spellbinding and deception. If you're turning on your television screen every day and you're looking at newspapers every day and, and going through your iPhone and checking out, you know, Facebook news threads and what have you, we're all just seeing lies. It's 80, I'd say it's 85% to 90% abject deception and lies, insidious, insidious lies, inverting logic, inverting truth, inverting everything by design. I'd say we're 10 to 15% tops truthing out there that we can actually see. So you see, you've created this, we're living in this incredible myopia and dystopia um, and over many months, it's been designed by these Sabbatean blood drinking Satanists who are at the crux of what they pushed through the World Health Organization, the Center uh, for Disease Control, the National Institute for Health in America and uh, Moderna in Italy and all this Bill and Melinda Gates, all of this insidious transnationalist Sabbatean shit that's coming at us. Um, it's all by design meant to create this incredible sense of neurosis, fear, and helplessness. And the fact that they own all of the arteries of the social media, like Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, the fact that they own mainstream media and 85% of all the global syndicated news networks as well. So they control the entire alpha and omega of how you and I get to have conversations and exchange ideas. They've contaminated them, they subverted them, they're censoring them, they're flipping the logic. They are shadow banning and banning outright truthers and then promulgating and promoting grand deceptions, hoaxes, scams, and uh, treason. And that's the insanity of our time where we've literally flipped helter skelter, black into white, white into black. Great, I love this space. Personally, I love this because for me, it becomes so clear and easy to navigate um, the, the, the Saturnian logic of what's going on. And that's why I wanted to bring all of those people together into the line in the sand event to say, okay, you fuckers, great. You continue promulgating your grand deceptions against 7 billion living souls. You continue hijacking all of our arteries of exchange and communication, all 
take them all. You can have them. They're all false light identification complexes anyway. We don't need that. We just need a few noble souls to come together and to stand in that flame and to, again, defibrillate the true pulse of humanity from within that dream spell, the thrall. And that's exactly what we did by the grace of the living God the other day. And yes, that's leading uh, to something else, which will be announced shortly. And it will be unrelenting. I know. Thank you. Mm, I have no doubt. And I feel like that is the perfect place for us to finish. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I have no doubt that it is going to be useful for people that have been tuning in. For those of you listening that may want to keep in touch with Sasha, his announcements and the work that he's doing alongside all of those other amazing people that he shared with you earlier on and the New Earth Project, you can find him over on Instagram. But I would highly encourage you to also head to the New Earth Project and to sign up to his newsletters just in case anything does happen with the social media platforms. That way you can still get the information. Again, I just want to say I truly appreciate you, Sasha. Thank you for all of the work that you have been doing and continue to do. I look forward to speaking with you again soon and I'm sending you lots of love. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here with me and wanting to do your part in recreating the status quo. If you got something out of today's episode, I would love if you could leave me a review and forward this on to anyone that you feel would benefit or even share it on your socials. I just want to close by saying I appreciate you. And until next time, remember that together we truly do rise.